There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat. Or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Diwali, the Festival of Lights, is a vibrant and colorful celebration that marks the victory of light over darkness and good over evil. We invite you to celebrate Diwali with a drive through two and a half miles of sparkling lights at the Bull Run Festival of Lights in Centerville, Virginia. The Bull Run Festival of Lights is open November 10th through January 7th. Save time and money by purchasing a ticket online at bullrunfestivaloflights.com. That's bullrunfestivaloflights.com. Welcome to the Bishop Kevin Foreman Leadership Podcast. I am your host, Bishop Foreman, and we are on an evolutionary journey of leadership. That's to go further, faster as leaders. That's the entire reason this podcast exists. So I'm glad you've taken the time to join me together. As leaders, we are busy, whether you're a leader in the church, you're a leader in the community, a leader in your business, leader in your family, wherever you're leading, wherever you're exerting influence that's causing people to take action, you are a leader. And I'm glad that as a busy leader, you took the time to listen to this podcast. Thank you for sharing it with other people and even leaving a great review for us in iTunes so that we can reach more people. I appreciate that. We're going to talk today about a subject that I think is a missing link in lots of leaders. Uh, sometimes people get caught up in the glory of leadership, uh, but not the story of leadership. They get caught up and the fame of leadership, uh, but not the pain of leadership. And so today we're going to talk about the D word. That's right. The D word discipline. <laughs> That's right. We're going to talk about developing the discipline to win consistently. And we're going to use some great scriptures today that are going to help uh, us. And whether you're a pastor or not, the scriptures, the Bible, I believe, provides a great foundation for many great leadership principles. Think about it. The, the modern uh, church, which we'd call the body of Christ today, uh, which is comprised of various denominations and groups and sects, S-E-C-T-S, of Christianity. Let's think about it. It is billions of people around the world. So I think Jesus can teach us many things and the Bible can teach us many great principles about leadership. And today we're going to talk about developing the discipline to win consistently. I want to start with prayer, then we're going to jump in. Father, we honor you and bless you. I thank you for this incredible leader. Regardless of where they're a leader at, whether it's in church or um, ministry or in business and their family, wherever they're leading, I pray that you would use today's episode to take them further faster. That's why the Bishop Foreman Leadership Podcast exists, to take people further faster. We thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's get into it, you all. Psalm 138 and 8, it says this, The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. So when we look at this particular scripture, that word perfect almost makes us think that somehow we are going to be perfect. And that's not accurate. It actually means he's going to go through the process of evolving those things that concern us. Evolution is a word I have come to really love, and it's really become a mantra of my own life in this regard, that God always takes us from glory to glory, from level to level, from faith to faith. Well, as a leader, you've got to always be evolving. And the reason I like evolution better than revolution is because while revolution means change, evolution always means change for the better. It's to go from the inferior to the superior, from zero to 10, from the bottom to the top. And to be a leader, you have got to always evolve. 
And what's significant about this verse, he says, the Lord will perfect those things which concern me. That means everything about me, God will always take me through a process of evolution to go from where I am to where he desires for me to be, which means I'm never looking for a place in life as a leader where I arrive. So I want to help you with this concept because many leaders think that one day, they're going to get to this place where everything's going to be done. Like they're going to build their business. They're going to build their church. They're going to build their family. They're going to uh, build their career, whatever. And then all of a sudden they're done. But that's not how leaders think. Great leaders realize everything about me is always going through a process of evolution. It's always going through a process of perfection. See, we've been molded and formed to think and act like we do because of the nouns that we've been exposed to. Noun, you know, people, places, things, and ideas. But we must all evolve because God's in the business of making things better, not leaving things be. God is a God of evolution. And, and when I say that, sometimes evolution, you can think of a theory of evolution. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the process of you going from where you are to a better place or a better state. You know, we often talk about we're going to another level. We're going through another dimension. We're going to see greater, do greater, be greater, do more. But the process to get there is actually a process of evolution. And in, a, in this process, in God making things better and not leaving them be, uh, it takes this process here. It's listed in Jeremiah 18.4. It says, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. Check it out. He says that the clay was marred in the hand of the potter. In other words, in this in this verse in Jeremiah, God is the potter, we are the clay. And so he says, in the hand of the potter, the clay is marred. Now check this out. It did not say or suggest that the clay didn't have great accomplishments or that the clay was not uh, doing great things. It did not suggest that the clay hadn't made great progress. It just says that the clay was marred. And what I think is very interesting about the concept uh, of the word marred is marred simply means that it impaired the appearance of or uh, the quality spoiled. In other words, watch this. At one point, uh, that clay was great, but now it's spoiled. It's spoiled. And when you think of spoiled, think of milk. Milk starts out great, but at some point, once milk has sat, 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 that milk now, it begins to spoil. And something that's spoiled, it begins to stink, right? And so, because God's not in the business of us spoiling, uh, that's that's what it means when it says marred. So, the clay was marred. In other words, the clay was spoiled. The clay began to stink from the stagnation of how it used to do things, of how it used to act, how it used to talk, how it used to lead, how it used to build in the hand of the potter. So even though it may have been good to the clay, according to the potter, this is spoiled. So in other words, it's time for us to evolve. So the Bible says, so he made it again into another vessel. What's significant about this verse, he says he made it again. In other words, it was already made, but he had to make it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make, not according to the clay's description, but according to the potter's description. And as a leader, you've got to understand God's always taking you through a process of evolution for what your potential is, not what your past was. I'm going to say that again. God is always taking you through a process of evolution for what your potential is, not what your past was. This is significant 
Because it says he made it again into a vessel that seemed good to the potter to make. It, it wasn't so much that God even cared what the clay thought about the process. God was saying to the clay, I need to make you into a vessel. What's a vessel? It's something used to pour. I need to make you into a vessel that can pour, but I need to make you into a vessel according to what I know your potential can be, not what your past has been. So to make you new, he has to break the old you. And here's how he does it. It's recorded in Job 16 and 14. He breaks me with wound upon wound. That's right. When God is making you into something new, you will go through a process of pain because often we are not willing to even be perceptive to the fact that we need to change until we've experienced pain. I'm going to say it again. We are often not even perceptive of the fact that we need to change until we experience pain. And so the Bible says he breaks me with wound upon wound. When you start dealing with pain as a leader, it is God's way of saying it's time to evolve. In other words, I said this way. It's evolution time. Whenever you experience pain in your church. God is saying it's evolution time. We can't do it the way we used to do it. Whenever you begin to experience pain in your family, God is saying it's evolution time. We cannot do uh, a family the way that we used to do it. Whenever you be experience uh, pain uh, in your business, God is saying it's evolution time. We cannot do things the way that we used to do them. So the Bible says that he breaks me with wound upon wound. In other words, I'm dealing with one situation right after another situation. It's almost sometimes as a leader, like you'll say to yourself, when when is this going to end? When is this going to stop? When is this going to change? And the reality is it's going to change when you change. It says he runs at me like a warrior. This is Job 16 and 14. Now, this is significant because it's saying that God is coming at uh, uh, Job like a warrior. In other words, when you're a leader, sometimes watch this. The level of leadership that you operate at is the level of pain that's required to cause you to change. I'm going to say that again. The level of leadership that you operate at is often the level of pain that requires you to change. Because when you become a leader, let's face it, you develop a thick skin and you learn how to deal with obstacles. You learn how to deal with challenges. You learn how to deal with uh, difficult people. You learn how to deal with attitude. You learn how to deal with challenges. You learn how to deal with people falsifying information about you. You learn to deal with a lot. So often you need a challenge that's commensurate to your level of leadership. So he says to Job, he runs at me like a warrior. Well, he runs at Job like a warrior because Job really was a warrior. If you know anything about the life of Job, Job went through two horrible days where uh, they weren't consecutive days, but they were certainly two horrible days where one day he loses virtually everything. His children die. He loses much of his riches. And then the next day he experiences tremendous pain in his body and he loses a lot as it relates to his physical body. What's significant about this entire journey? When you look at and you study the life uh, of Job is you understand that Job really in many ways was a warrior. He went through moments of weakness. He went through moments of challenge, but then he bounced back from those moments of weakness and those moments of challenge and he evolves. So the Bible says he runs at me like a warrior. So to make you new, he breaks the old you. And you've got to understand in that process, whenever there's pain, that's because it's evolution time. Uh, would you just do that with me as a leader? Say that it's evolution time. Wherever there's pain, it means it's time for something to change. Something has to evolve. Either the situation's got to evolve or the way you're handling it has got to evolve. Either way, as the leader, it's your responsibility. 
And in this, I want to give you three points or principles because we're talking about developing the discipline to win. So you're like, Bishop Foreman, so far, all you've talked about is pain. Well, I'm going to tell you why. Discipline must be developed. See, it's in that breaking process where he's making us new that we develop the discipline to win. I want you to watch what the prophet Jeremiah said while he was going through his breaking process, because every great leader has to go through breaking processes uh, and, I, and a breaking processes process, excuse me. And it happens repeatedly. See, to go to another version of you, it requires the breaking of the old you. So you've got to go through this process. And Jeremiah, when he's going through it, look at what he says in Jeremiah 10 and 19. He says, woe is me from my hurt. My wound is severe. Now we learn he breaks us with what? Wound upon wound. Jeremiah says, my wound is severe. But I say, truly, this is an infirmity and I must bear it. He starts the verse whining, but in his breaking, he develops a discipline that calls him to start winning because he says, this is causing me grief, but I must bear it. I don't have an option. See, that's how discipline works when you're a leader. I don't have an option. I must. When you're a leader, you don't have the luxury of not performing. You don't have the luxury of not showing up. You don't have the luxury of not making something happen. You don't have the luxury of not getting the job done. People's lives are dependent upon you leading and upon you leading effectively. So when you're a leader, you don't have an option. You must. And too many of us are waiting for monumental moments that are never coming because our self-discipline to win hasn't been developed. And here's why. It's because you still have options about things that should not be optional. See, when you're a leader and you are going to operate with discipline, there's certain things that can't be optional. Integrity can't be optional. Excellence can't be optional. Timeliness can't be optional. Uh, not tolerating dishonor amongst your ranks. That can't be optional. Uh, uh, you know, there's certain things that cannot be optional as a leader. Showing up to work, that can't be optional. Fighting even when you don't want to, uh, to advance your mission and vision. That can't be optional. Discipline isn't a dirty word. It's a word that those that dominate love because discipline is how we win. Which brings me to the second point I want to share with you today is discipline is how we win. And that's what we're talking about, right? Our subject today is developing the discipline to win consistently. Uh, in the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, it records this. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. In other words, here's what verse 24 is saying. The race is scheduled. You must run, so you might as well win. I want you to say that with me, leaders. The race is scheduled. I must run. I might as well win. So let's say it one more time. The race is scheduled. I must run, so I might as well win. It's very similar to a quote uh, that I heard, I believe, from a famous basketball player that said, the game is scheduled, I must play, and so I must win. It's very similar to that. Here's the question. What do you win, though? If this, what is this race that's before us? Well, the race is the race of evolution as leaders, as individuals, as people. See, the better man you are, the better leader you are. The better woman you are, the better leader you are. Many times we work on being better uh, 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 dimensions of ourselves, right? A better husband, a better father, a better brother, a better this, that, and the other. When the reality is, is that if we're first better people, 
If we're first better people, that makes us better leaders. Verse 26 says, therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus, I fight, not as one who beats the air. In other words, he says, my disciplines aren't a waste of time. Sometimes when you're a leader, you can say, does it do I really need to do that? Does it really take all of that? Well, it does take all of that. You know, I have the privilege of mentoring and leading many pastors. We have the Harvest Fellowship of churches, which is a great network of more than churches. It's a network of pastors and entrepreneurs, executives, and other bishops and leaders around the world. I have the privilege of leading many individuals that are great leaders in their business and the privilege of pouring into them. And sometimes people will say to me, Bishop, I notice you do this, 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 and this. Does it really take all of that? And my response is, it takes all of that and some more. See, my disciplines aren't a waste of time. I'm not beating the air. My disciplines are doing what verse 27 says, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. That word disqualified means I should be found to be a counterfeit. He says, I discipline, watch this, my body. Notice, as a leader, the Apostle Paul is a great leader. He's got many leaders that he's poured into, many churches he started. He really is a model. If you look at business, it's a model almost of a franchise because he's got many churches that he's planted from a ministry standpoint he's operating as an apostolic leader he's planting churches he's raising up leaders he's taking people that never ever have served in leadership capacities he's developing them he's training them and what's very interesting about this is he says um i discipline my body in other words he says i want to be a better me first Because if I'm a better me, if I'm a disciplined me, I'll be a disciplined leader. See, it's not enough to just be a disciplined leader. You have to be a disciplined person. So when he says I discipline my body, a better word for body is senses. He says I discipline my senses. To discipline, that word means to lead, to bring along, to bring into subjection, to be fully compliant to the will of a master. But the truth is, most of us are mastered by our senses. But to be an evolutionary leader, and that's the type of leader you are. You're not a leader that's stale, stuck, and stagnant. And what was happening five years ago or a year ago or five minutes ago, you're a leader that's constantly evolving. To be an evolutionary leader, you must reverse it. Discipline is developed when you say yes or no to the nouns for the right reasons. I'm going to say it again. Discipline is developed when you say yes to or no to nouns consistently for the right reasons again noun people play person place thing or idea and it says uh, that it brings them into subjection so look at what you what enters your senses is it adding to you or decreasing you the movies you watch the music you listen to the television you consume internet social media news magazines video games friends family members and relatives of personal opinions There is a lot as a leader that is entering our senses that we need to have the discipline to say, you know what, Uh, this is not under subjection um, and I need to remove. And in other words, this isn't helping feed my discipline. So it's something that I need to decrease. If it's not helping me to improve as a leader, I need to decrease it. If the people I'm talking to on the phone aren't helping me to evolve, why am I having conversations with them? You will become a very watered down and weak leader if you're surrounded by watered down and weak people. The Bible makes this statement. It says, iron sharpens iron. Now, now check it out. Here's what he's really saying. He says, it takes the equivalent of who you are to actually make you better. In fact, 
it takes a greater man to make a greater man. Are you catching the point? When I say man, of course, that's both man and woman. So when we look at this concept, leaders, what we have to understand is it doesn't say aluminum will sharpen iron because it doesn't. Iron sharpens iron. It doesn't say that steel sharpens iron. No, iron sharpens iron. In other words, it says it takes the equivalent or greater to actually make you better. So you've got to assess the people you interact with. You've got to assess the places you go, the environments that you're in. That's why you listen to this podcast today. You know what? I'm iron. And so you're being sharpened by listening to this podcast today. And guess what I have to do as iron? I have to have other people that are equal to or greater than that are also sharpening me. In fact, when I'm around people that don't sharpen me, it's very aggravating to me because it is now drawing from me, but it is not also sharpening me. And as a leader, you got to make sure that all the people around you aren't people that you're leading. You've got to have some people that are leading you, people that are sharpening you. If everybody in your phone, if everybody you eat with, if everybody you talk with is uh, less than you or someone that you're leading or someone that you're pouring in, it is an indication that you are not operating in your disciplines. Why? Because they don't know the disciplines that's required to live life at the level of life you're living in. So you've got to check that. Which brings me to my final and third point I want to share with you today, leaders. Discipline determines your destinations. Discipline determines your destinations. Your disciplines actually determine your destination. Uh, A lot of times we talk about destiny and, and, you know, I get what people mean. I just don't really like the word destiny personally because it implies a destination and a destination implies a completion. But we already read in Psalm 138 and 8 that the Lord is perfecting, revolving those things which concern us, which means we're going to consistently be growing. We're going to consistently be improving. We're going to be consistently increasing. So your disciplines actually determine your destinations. Um, it's not just this, oh, I'm on this you know, journey of destiny and I'm, one day I'm going to get there. Your disciplines determine where you're going. The antonym or the opposite of discipline, guess what it is? It, it's got several definitions. Listen to this. The first is to be lazy, to stop, to be idle, to be inactive. Watch this next one, to be underactive. Sometimes as leaders, it's not that you're inactive, you're just underactive. You start too late, you end too early. You give too little, you want to see too much. You don't put enough in to to get out of it what you want. Sluggish or to stop doing what works. That one's a powerful one, to stop doing what works. Sometimes as leaders, we'll stop doing what works to try something else. You will start losing when you get lazy and will drift in the wrong direction when we lack discipline. And I've noticed one of the reasons that people who start out winning and that I've mentored or spiritually fathered or hired or fired or believed in or stopped believing in was that they lacked the discipline to win. Watch this, leaders, when winning stopped being easy. They lacked the discipline to win when winning stopped being easy. And the reality is a lack of discipline is really pride. And we learn from the scripture that God resists the proud. Pride there is saying, well, I've won before and so I'm not going to have to work as hard to do what I need to do to win. At some point on your leadership journey, wins aren't going to be as easy in certain areas. You're going to have to fight a little harder. You know, maybe you have heard uh, women say this. Sometimes women I hear say this. And say, women, or they'll say, Bishop, it's hard to uh, it's harder to lose weight, uh, you know, as a woman. I've heard that. I've also heard maybe you've heard this one, too. I've also heard people say, well, Bishop, you know, when you get older, it's harder to lose weight. What are they really saying? There's some reason that makes winning, um, 
not as easy. And when winning stops being easy um, and you lack a discipline to win because winning's not easy, you're going to stop winning. So to win consistently, your disciplines have to be very consistent. My charge and my challenge to you is to check the areas where there needs to be increased consistency. Maybe it's in your financial management. Maybe it's in prayer. Maybe it's in worship. Maybe it's in following instructions. Maybe it is in how you give instructions. Maybe it's in communication. Maybe it's in how you work out. Maybe it's in listening to life-giving podcasts like this. Check your disciplines because if you're going to win consistently, your discipline cannot drop when winning becomes harder. You know, you may hear someone say this. I want to lose weight. Well, it's just one more brownie. Or I want people to be honest with me. Well, it's just one more lie. Or I want to soar. That's just one more chicken that I hang out with. Well, I want to succeed. It's just another nap. I want to be out of debt. Well, it's just one more credit card. Well, I want to be a stronger Christian. Well, it's just one Sunday I miss. Well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, hee-haw, me, ma. What happens is that discipline is the vehicle that gets you to greater destinations. Discipline is leaders. Not skill, not talent, not gifting. Let me use some spiritual terms. Not anointing. It is discipline. Discipline is the vehicle that gets you to your destinations. Let me prove it to you. Have you ever looked at someone and you said, they're not really talented. They're not really skilled. They're not really gifted. Um, and then when you look at their life, though, they, they've made great accomplishments. What is it that they probably had? What they probably had was discipline. They probably had discipline that other people didn't have. And so when you live like no one else, guess what happens? You get to live like no one else. When you will do what no one else will do, you get to have what no one else can have. When you live uh, in a way that other people won't go, you get to have where people can't go. Does this make sense? Think about this. When we talk about discipline. According to the Huffington Post, Bill Gates' first business failed. His first company, Traffle Data, failed miserably. When Gates and his partner, Paul Allen, tried to sell it, the product wouldn't even work. But Gates and Allen didn't let, them stop, didn't let that stop them from trying. They bounced back, and over $76 billion later, we know the story. Jim Carrey used to be homeless, but Carrey revealed on Inside the Actor's Studio that when he was 15, he had to drop out of school to support his family and then eventually started living in a van. He went from having his dad drive him to comedy clubs in Toronto to starring in mega blockbusters. Benjamin Franklin dropped out of school at age 10. Franklin's parents could only afford to keep him in school until his 10th birthday. He taught himself through reading and eventually went on to invent the lightning rod and bifocals. Oh, and he became one of America's founding fathers and his face is on every hundred dollar bill. Oprah Winfrey gave birth at age 14 and lost her child. She was molested and she eventually ran away from home and at age 14 gave birth to a baby boy who shortly died thereafter. But over $2.9 billion in a TV network later, Thomas Edison failed a thousand times before creating the light bulb. Now, the exact number of tries has been debated, ranging from a thousand to 10,000 attempts, but it's safe to say Edison tried and failed a whole lot before he successfully created his beacon of light. His response to his repeated failures, here's what he said, I have not failed. I just found 10,000 ways that won't work. Dr. Seuss's first children book. Are you getting the point? Uh, and to think that I saw it on a mulberry tree was refused by 27 publishers. But he had the discipline to keep going. And over a half a billion books later, Will Smith's life got flipped, turned upside down when he owed the IRS $2.8 million in taxes in 1989. But he bounced back and he remained disciplined and starred in what was the second highest grossing film in U.S. history uh, some time ago. That's probably changed now at the time of this uh, statistic. 
but it was called Independence Day. Michael Jordan was rejected from his high school's high school's varsity basketball team, but he remained disciplined. And six NBA championships later, there's lots of examples I could give you throughout the Bible. Here's what I want you to see: to win consistently, you have to be disciplined. I want to leave you with this one scripture in this one story. In 2 Kings chapter 13, verse number 18, there, uh, the Bible records this. Then he said, take the arrow. So he took them and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. Notice the instruction was strike the ground. What's implied? Keep striking. That's the implication. The implication, the inference there is keep going. Stay consistent. But the Bible says that he only struck it three times, then he stopped. He stopped his consistent discipline. Verse 19, and the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you have destroyed it. But now you will only strike Syria three times. When his discipline ended, guess what, leaders? So did his winning. I want to encourage you today to develop the discipline to win consistently. And one of the ways that you do that is through utilizing tools and resources like this podcast so that you can invest in yourself and you can grow as a leader. I want to encourage you, if you'd like to find out more about Harvest, we'd love for you to find out more about us. The simplest and easiest thing to do is get our app. There's so many great resources in our app, and you can get that on iTunes. You can also get it in Android. Just search for Harvest and you'll see that V and you'll know that's where you want to be. We encourage you to take advantage of that. We have conferences and events that we do for leaders that we encourage you to take, your, uh, take advantage of. In fact, uh, at the time of this podcast, there is a great conference that's coming up uh, here in the month of June 2018. And it's called the Harvest Church Conference. And we encourage you to find out more, to get more information at the time of the recording of this podcast. You can text HC to 59769 to get more information about it. Listen, I just want to help leaders go further faster. It's been my privilege and my honor to pour them to you today. Would you do me a favor if you've been encouraged, inspired? Share this podcast with other individuals and give us a positive ranking uh, on iTunes. We'd certainly appreciate that uh, positive review and share it with other people. Should you desire to give to contribute to the work of Harvest that touches and changes lives across America and around the world? Guess what? You can do that in our app. We encourage you to take advantage of that. You can find out more about that at bishopforman.com and harvestchurch.church. Have a phenomenal day, everybody, and I've been delighted to share this time with you. Hey, remember, it's evolution time in your life. When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot, you'll feel like a big deal, even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.